With Starscream now in control, are the Decepticons going to take over the Earth? We'll get into that this week on Energon Entries. Greetings, everyone. This is Matt Freights. I am the host of Energon Entries, and I thank you for tuning in this week. I hope that it finds you well. I hope that it finds you safe. And I am just so glad that people are actually enjoying this content. The Transformers is something that I genuinely love, especially from my childhood. So being able to go back and really review the episodes as a 40-year-old man has been a lot of fun. When last we left the Autobots, they had just defeated Megatron by sending him over the space bridge. And of course, just like every other episode, Starscream has declared himself the leader of the Decepticons. So the episode that we are reviewing today is Roll For It, which is episode five. And at the beginning of this episode, you have to assume that it is taking place directly in the aftermath of the previous episode, as the episode begins with Starscream in control. And of course, like every other episode to date, the Decepticons are attacking another power plant for energy. This time, Optimus Prime sends Prowl and Blue Streak, which I think this is the first time we see Blue Streak, to go confront Starscream. In the fight, Prowl is disabled. And at this point, we are being introduced to another human, and that is Chip Chase, as Bumblebee and Spike go to an antimatter lab that Chip works at. Chip ends up saving Prowl by using access to his computer and the internet to fight on his behalf. And we see that a little bit later in the episode where Prowl is disabled, he's unable to fight on his own, and so Chip uses his supercomputer to be able to link to him and win the battle for Prowl. Megatron and crew, of course, gain access to the antimatter lab and attempt to steal it, and this formula is out there, and Chip Chase is captured because the doctor that he works for sent him the formula over the computer, and he had memorized the antimatter formula to this point. So, of course, the Decepticons are going to try and basically get this formula out of his brain. Soundwave is the Decepticon they use to do this as he scans the formula out of Chip's brain, so now Megatron has this. I forgot to mention earlier that Megatron, while on the space bridge, ends up coming back very, very quickly in the episode, and so Starscream, after a failed attempt to take the power plant at the beginning of the episode, is now relegated to second-in-command for the Decepticons. At this point, the Autobots confront the Decepticons at the Antimatter Lab because they use Mirage and Hound's holograms to rescue Chip by getting past Rumble's defenses. Megatron ends up destroying the Antimatter Lab with an antimatter energon cube as they have taken the antimatter formula and put them into the energon cubes to have a super-powered energon cubes. Of course, in the massive explosion, a bunch of the Autobots are injured and they have to go back to headquarters for repairs. The next day, the Decepticons end up attacking the Ark because they have been powered by antimatter and they know that the Autobots are in a weakened state. During this, Megatron in gun form ends up firing all over the place in his antimatter state. Skywarp at the end attempts to take over Megatron's gun form to shoot the Autobots, but Chip Chase acts very quickly and uses Teletran 1 to take over his actions, very similarly to the way that he took over Prowl's actions in the beginning of the episode. Ultimately, Megatron has to expel the antimatter cubes from his chest because they are about to explode. They end up exploding in a very similar fashion to where they scattered the Autobots. This now scatters the Decepticons, and like every other episode, the Autobots robots win at the end of the day. This episode is very similar to the formula that is used in all of the other episodes. Starscream starts where Megatron left off trying to find energy to steal. This is the first time, though, that we are seeing Blue Streak. He and Prowl seem to have the same car and look, 
And in my mind, I wondered, I wonder if they're twins because they have different personalities. Anybody who has twins in their life or has had twins knows that very, very often they have the same look, but a different personality. So it's interesting to see two of the same cars with a very similar look, but different personalities. Reflector comes in and he is a triplet because they combine into the same object, which is an old school Canon camera. Unlike Prowl and Blue Streak, though, they seem to have the same personality. They're almost like a hive mind. They talk the same. They talk at the same time. There is no differentiating between the three of them. And I wondered to myself, obviously having seen Transformers before, is this a predecessor to Devastator or some type of a combiner later on? As we know, there are a lot of them in this Transformers canon. And so I wonder if this is actually a predecessor to that. Just something to think about. As we're seeing Chip Chase at the lab, one of the things that made me laugh out loud was the use of a large floppy disk. Anybody who is my age or older probably remembers those giant black floppy disks that didn't hold a lot of memory, but at the time, they were actually very, very innovative. And that is where the antimatter formula is placed and also where Chip is able to use his computer to take over Prowl's actions. So I thought that was laugh out loud funny just because of how old the reference is. If a child watched that today, they'd have absolutely no clue what that was and it would just go straight over their head. So I think that that's one thing that will date this show is the technology that is used. The other thing that was hilarious was a mention of an online computer or the internet in a show from 1984. Obviously, 1984 way predates the internet as we know it today, and the internet has evolved to such a place today that it is integral in our lives. So to have a computer that is able to essentially connect to another computer, because the Autobots and the Transformers are really giant computers in their own right, and for Chip to be able to connect to Prowl basically through Bluetooth or Wi-Fi to make sure that he is able to fight the fight and save the day, I thought that was very, very interesting. Also, though, the way that they used it in the show was pretty much how it works today. So it's almost as if there was some foreshadowing to the way that the future was going to go. I'm not sure that that was something that they even had a clue was going to happen, but it was pretty neat 40 years later to see how they used the internet and how they thought that the internet or an online computer would work and how it actually works today. It's not that far-fetched. So I think at some point the internet was coming to its infancy and maybe this was something that was on the horizon. I talked about Soundwave and how he's always able to get information and how Soundwave was able to get the antimatter formula out of Chip Chase's head. Soundwave is a pretty powerful transformer in my mind. He has a lot of capabilities that seem to be used. He's extremely loyal. But one question that I have is he is able to shoot out many tapes at once from his tape deck. Where does he keep all of those? Because those cannot be small enough to be able to fit in him. And there are a lot of size continuity issues that take place in Transformers. How does Megatron go from this giant robot to this small gun? And this is just another one of those instances where Rumble and Frenzy and Laserbeak and Ravage, how do they all fit in Soundwave at once? And how are they all able to coexist at the same time? Just a question that I had that I thought was interesting. Another one of those quality inconsistencies coming up as Soundwave ends up speaking like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. You see this a lot in every episode where at one point or another, a voice will be skewed to sound something different. Last episode, Megatron sounded like Shockwave. And in this episode, it's almost as if the filter that they had used for the voices because every single voice has some type of an electronic-y sounding filter on them and the voice actors do their own thing and that filter is sort of placed on top of it. In this case, it's almost like somebody forgot to turn it on for this line and they just went with it anyway. So it was a nice little reference to another 80s cartoon in Inspector Gadget and Dr. Claw. As we know, though, 
the voice actor who did Soundwave, I believe also did Dr. Claw. So it does make sense, but that was just something that kind of hit me. And at this point, the quality inconsistencies have almost started becoming endearing to the show. And that's something about the 80s that always stands out to me with the content is there's something ridiculous or something about them that maybe isn't the most quality compared to today's standards that ends up becoming an endearing quality. And so as I'm watching these episodes, I'm almost anticipating and waiting for some type of a voice change, some type of a weird animation quirk. And in this case, we got that in the form of a voice. So I think that that's pretty cool. And I look forward to more of those as these episodes go on. As always with these episodes, the Autobots always seem to prevent the Decepticons from taking the Energon cubes that they make. The Decepticons always seem to be a step ahead of the Autobots in the fact that they're able to get the energy that they need to create the Energon cubes that they seek. The Autobots are always able to foil their plans. However, one thing I have noticed so far is the Autobots never seem to be able to save the Energon cubes or take any of the Energon cubes with them in order to power what they need. In my head, I'm thinking the Autobots, like the Decepticons, are trying to get back to Cybertron. And when they get back to Cybertron, they are trying to win the war against the other faction. And so the Autobots, you would think, every time they defeat the Decepticons, they'd be able to take something from them and be able to take some of those Energon cubes that are made. To this point, we've seen a lot of Energon cubes made, and those antimatter cubes apparently all just sort of combusted in the explosion. Interesting little continuity note and just something I've always wondered. Why are the Autobots not being more proactive in getting the energy that they need? At the end of the day, human ingenuity combined with Autobot technology seems to save the day. As we know, Chip Chase with his human mind is able to take Teletran 1, which is a Transformers technology, take over Skywarp, and that ends up saving the day because the antimatter ends up being a non-factor. But I wondered to myself, at what point will the Transformers technology be utilized by the humans of Earth to make a much more technologically sophisticated planet? At the beginning of the episode or beginning of last episode, the people of Earth are now trying to combat the Decepticons by mass producing weapons. But it seems as if the mass producing of weapons is just your standard issue bullet weapons. And how are those going to defeat the Decepticons when they have laser cannons and fusion cannons? It seems a little bit weird to me that the Autobots are not giving them some of their technological advances to be able to make weapons that will not only keep the Earth safe from the Decepticons, but maybe will allow them to advance a lot more rapidly than they would have. Perhaps this is like the prime directive in Star Trek The Next Generation where they're not allowed to interfere in the natural order of a world, but it seems weird to me that the humans are not working with the Autobots after all this time that they've been there to be able to get the technology that they need to advance themselves as a race to be able to catch up a little bit to these alien life forms in the Transformers. It just seems a little bit weird to me. Overall, I have to say I thought the episode was interesting. One other thing to note that I thought was a little bit odd was it seemed very anticlimactic the way that Megatron came back. You would think that after the end of the last episode, there would be a little bit of suspense and we'd be able to see Starscream do a little bit more as the episode continued in the form of this episode. But it was very weird that Starscream and crew failed and then Megatron just contacted them from Cybertron. You'd think that there'd be a little bit more suspense and, hey, did Megatron actually survive? Does Starscream know this? And it just sort of kind of happened that, oh, Megatron's back and so he's the leader again. We're doing this virtually. It's just very, very weird. And I thought that that was something that could have been done a little bit differently for the quality of the episode. Much like last episode, it was standard issue Transformers fair. Nothing about this episode stood out that made it amazing compared to the others. Another solid three, three and a half episode, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's fun, it's nostalgic, and that's all that you can ask for. I would love to hear from you. If you want to talk about the Transformers, get in touch with me. MattyIceMedia at gmail.com is the way to do that. And of course, I'd love you to support the Matty Ice Media Network, MattyIceMedia.com to find other podcasts, including this one. Hope this finds everybody well. I hope this finds everybody safe. I thank you for tuning 
tuning in and I will talk to you next time. This is Energon Entries. expressed on Energon entries are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Energon entries is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.